me, my podcast listeners, welcome to another installment of the Domovex Show. I'm here talking X of Swords again with my awesome partner in crime, Mr. Dylan Gray. How are you doing today, dude? So happy to be here. As always, this is such great thing to cover. I'm enjoying every every page I'm reading is just better and better and better. I, I I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. Freaking X of Swords. Twenty two parts is not enough. <laughs> We need we need more, and we have more. We're here to discuss the next part of this epic X event saga, and do credit the creators. We got Ed Brisson, Teeny Howard, Jerry Duggan, and head of X Jonathan Hickman joined in with Mahmoud Asrar, Rod Reyes, Phil Noto, and RV Silva for the arts. So yeah, let's let's just get into it. Let's let's not even waste any time. Let's just dig into the content that we have before us here today and. With that, New Mutants, number 13, a beautiful issue, both in terms of the character development and, and the art in it, too. I, I was just blown away by what Brisson was able to do with Cypher and, and Magic in, in this issue. Yeah, no, it's, and it's really interesting because to see him have to be, pick up this warrior kind of mantle and have to be more than just a, a, a languager, I don't know what... What would you call him? A languager? Because he knows that's his power. He knows languages, is able to communicate and stuff, which is it's a very important power. Don't get me wrong. And I've actually given that to people I've played in like Dungeons and Dragons before, being able to communicate with other races and stuff like that. So it's a very important thing to have. But to think that he is one of the things that is going to one of the people that are going to save Krakoa and a you know, the Marvel Universe and the whole, you know, is kind of interesting. And I wouldn't have saw him being as as one of the sword bearers. What about you? Because it's like, you think about people who wield swords or like mutants who have swords. You think of guys like Betsy Braddock. You think of Nightcrawler. You think of like these different characters that have always had swords at their side. And, and Cypher isn't one of those people. He's he's a He's a... He's not that type of person in the sense where he's a warrior. He wasn't, you know, trained to fight like Gorgon. And he wasn't a blood-smashing mutant like Wolverine. He's a regular young dude who is now part of this, again, larger... He's he's larger than life now because of Krakoa, because of what his importance is there as, tra- as a translator with the island. And now you're seeing him in this light where he wants to become something more. And and that, to me, is is gratifying to read on the pages when he says that... I want to participate in this event. I want to be something bigger than myself. It, it's it's powerful stuff. It, it it really gets down to wow, like you cipher, like holy crap, like he's out there gonna be he's gonna sacrifice himself. And creds to E B for coming up with the idea of how like he's not he's now learning how to fight by reading body language, you know, because that's a language too. You know, little ticks that we have and everything. And that might actually work in his favor later on. Like, that might was some major foreshadowing I think they put down there. Because he's going to be able to... He might get beat up a little bit. But as he's getting beat up, he's learning how they fight. Learning what moves they're doing. And at the end, he might be able to do it. And he's not at it alone. No, no, no. He's not at it. His sword is literally his best friend, Warlock. Oh, my gosh. Warlock in this issue was just so fun to read. I, I love Ed Brisson's Warlock, where, where he's like... Self, it reminds me of that X-Men animated series episode where the phalanx come in and invade the Earth and, and Doug or, or whatever 
warlock merges with beast so that he could help save his people or whatever it this sort of gives me that same vibe where it's like self friend is here self friend will protect doug and, and i'll make sure that you won't die. like <laughs> it friendship is awesome again like new mutants we saw in hickman's series where bobby and sam had the bromance and now you have cypher and his good old trusty friend warlock at his side literally protecting each other as as the series and the fights go on yeah, and, and Warlock is such a cool character. I've always really liked him. Great design, you know. I, I love the techno-organic stuff. I love how he, he's, you know, he hooks up. Not like literally hooks up, but was like best friends with Cypher. And they're able to talk and, and like be one with each other. But there is one person that he's hooked up with. I don't know if you know this, but back in the all-new X-Factor run when Warlock was on the X-Factor... Danger was also an X Factor, and they had a full-on love story. Yes, Danger, the Senate Danger Room that came to life, had a love story with Warlock, and it is hilarious. I highly suggest checking it out. It makes sense, you know. She's she's a mutant robot. He's a mutant alien. You know, it, it makes all sense that they would get together, right? I kind of want to read that all new. We need to cover all new X Factor by Peter David sometime here. I'm just saying, like. I, I don't know. It's at some oh, point in the sure. future. Yes, but yeah, it's like you get the you get the bond between these two. Like these are these are two people who sort of like come to the situation in grips. And Warlock is just as touchy deed saying like, "I'm gonna make sure that you're okay. I'm gonna make sure that y- you won't get slaughtered by all these ravaging beasts that are gonna be coming after your head in the upcoming days and and weeks or however long this tournament lasts." And you, you, yeah, you get, you just get the bond that these two have. Like, self friend will make sure that you will not be harmed in this event. Like that, that to me is gratifying. Like seeing them go back at it on paper, it's it's an awesome friendship. <laughs> yeah, ha- having having him go at it alone would have made me a little bit worried. Like if it's just Cipher going in there, but the fact that he has Warlock with him, it's it's going to be. He he's got someone in his corner. He's got someone he knows is going to protect him. You know. And Krakoa, Krakoa though, on on the other hand, is not happy at all that uh, he has to fight because if Cipher dies, that's it. That's the the lines of communication between the Krakoans and Krakoa itself is going to be lost. They're they're not going to be able to talk. He literally invented a language for them all to communicate. And and that's the thing too. I I, I appreciated this part in this issue because we got to see Krakoa for like I think the first time as a character. Not just the island where everybody lives on, but as a sentient being, as an actual person who talks. Where you now understand what's at stake if Cypher dies. Like, not only is Krakoa going to lose all the communication between the mutants and and the island itself, but Krakoa is going to lose one of its trusty trusty people that that literally the island has just to make sure that everything's all right. Like... Krakoa itself is concerned, and that, and that to me, again, shout out to Ed Brisson for making this island an actual breathing character, not just someone, something that gets stepped on, but is actually functioning and, and has feelings. Like, you remember feelings, Dylan? I'm going to play back at you. You remember feelings? <laughs> this is the, these are the feelings that, that I'm getting when Krakoa is like, you, are you sure you're going to do this, dude? Like, I don't want, I don't want to lose you. And it's, Again, it's really emotional. It's really powerful just to see the island be scared for what what's going to happen in, in the upcoming days and weeks. 
That's right. It could be anything too. We don't know. Like Cipher could die. Like it's it. Every, anything and everything is on the table. You know. And if and as you know, if they die in other world, that's it. Game over. They're not coming back. They may come back as someone different, but they will not come back as themselves anymore. No, and Cipher's going to be. He's either yeah, he just gets beheaded, or we yeah. There's just the possibility that he could get his head cut off by one of these weird sword bearers, and that again, everything is on the table. Like if Cipher dies, again, the whole communication of the island is completely cut off between everyone, and he's it's important. I I but yeah, I again, I love the fact that Cipher's getting a bigger role on, on this stage and the journey that he's moving uh forward as as a as, as just a character as a as an x-man like yeah. the, he he knows the, he understands what's at stake the character development of him is just and it's only going to expand too like i never would have thought that ever he would be such an intricate part of like x-men like he always had like a good role to play he was always important but like he's vital and the fact that he might not come back is amazing, but he might come out of this stronger than ever. And that's that's what I'm guessing. I honestly think he's going to win. I think he's going to be able to literally read the body language of this person and find the right spot and boom and hit him. Speaking of body language, what better person to teach uh, sword fighting besides the the one and only Ileana Rasputina magic? I loved her. In this issue, teaching Cypher how to fight with a sword. Those fight scenes were so dope and cool. Like, slashing and whacking and punching. (laughs) I I loved every single minute (laughs) of it. Yeah, no, and... Yeah, and she just, she didn't hold back. She just, you know, kept punching him in the face. And he makes the jokes like, oh, that's my moneymaker, da-da-da-da-da. But (laughs) I think, I think... If anyone is going to teach someone how to fight with a sword, it should be magic, you know, because she no obviously has fought in limbo, has fought through hell. She has done everything she can to uh, get better on her own. So she knows how to teach someone, you know, and she's such a great leader, a captain now, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And I love the, that's another thing. I love the, I love it when, when her and Cyclops have their moments and like, Captain, Captain, and they're like, you know, it's, it's that moment of just like, this is much more than anything we've ever done before. This is so freaking great, Captain. He's like, hey, Captain, you know, it's, it's like, give it, give him props. It's like a little bit, yes. it's like props, you know what I'm saying? They're giving each other daps right there, you know? It's like, again, as the resident Boy Scout, like as as a resident Cyclops fan here among us two, it's really gratifying a just to see him talking to to peeps and and them going back and forth like within the first three issues where Sykes just like okay so so what's up what's happening and and she's like oh we gotta we gotta go to other world in some weird place because of this weird tournament and Sykes just like oh so it's that bad. Hmm? I, I think that these two also have something prepped up just in case if like the plan goes kablooey. It it just it just makes sense to me that like as as you're as the overall general of the troops with Cyclops and one of the captains with, with magic, it it'd be dumb for them not to have those backup plans just in case like, oh snap, what if we actually lose this tournament? I think that they just ha- I just think that they have something up their sleeves and, and you can see it with the 
communication they had. And I think in the first three three pages where it's like, Magic may have something back up her sleeve if, if something goes haywire. Yeah, like what though? That's what I'm wondering. Is it an atomic bomb, like per se? Is it, what, what do they have planned? You know, what is the thing that, what is the backup plan here if they lose? You know, do they just give up Krakow? Do they just give up their planet? Like, what, what do you think it is? What do I think it is? It's because here's the thing. I, I, I honestly think that like it'd be out of character if Cyclops didn't have a backup plan to this whole because because he's sort of known for being that I have plans behind like under plans guy. I I don't know. I just think that like between these two, they they know that something's up, and it and again it just be it just be weird for for Psych or Magic just to be like yeah we we'll lose we'll give up if we if we forfeit the tournament or whatever. It's so yeah I, I don't know I, I I honestly think that these two have something behind. Closed doors if something goes haywire. Like, if Cypher dies, they, they could have a bat. I, I have no idea. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it, it's, 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 you can't hold anything back, though. Like, watch it be, like, some super random mutant from, like, the 90s that, like, had, like, one appearance and his power is, like, the <laughs> catalyst to make, to fix everything. Like, who knows? Who knows what Hickman and Brissom have come up with? Because... That's that's the coolest thing about this whole Dawn of X thing is there's so many big minds working on it, writing, drawing, and they're just coming up with all these great ideas. I mean, that is not like just a normal kind of writer's room. That is a think tank, a think tank of pure creative intelligence. Exactly. It's it's again just the mind blowing stuff that they've been doing and having all the books cohesive and building on top of one another. So like we had it in this issue, and I really like the reference where Xavier said that Sinister's plan could go haywire. That where they mentioned Hellions, and that yeah, we have a backup plan just in case if something doesn't work out. And it, again, it, it all builds on top of one another. You have books that go from A to B, and and they make sense in doing so. I also like in the issue, I just love the art. Can I just say I just love the art in New Mutants 13. I love the cover where you have Magic and, and Cypher, they're, they're fighting off. And literally Magic's sword is cutting the paper. And you have the emotions between Cypher, he's scared for life, and Magic, she's like all enraged and all that. And Rod Reyes on the interiors... The way that he draws Warlock, the emotions that he gives with all the characters when they're fighting, when they're talking, it's really emotive. It's it's powerful. It's it's beautiful artwork. It, it honestly is beautiful artwork. And it fits the tone perfectly. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the same guy that uh, drew on the yeah. the first arc that we covered, correct? You are correct. You are indeed correct. Yeah. And what, it fits the tone perfectly because even though this is some serious stuff, there's still a little bit of comedy there. So it's got to be a little bit softer than normal, but at the same time, hits all the right notes that it needs to. And it, the pages are just clean. The the coloring has this really, really kind of cool, I don't know, vibe to it. I don't know how else to put it, but I, I just, I really appreciated his work on this. And I mean, he killed it on the first arc, so it's not scary. It's not... He killed it on the first arc, so it's not weird that he would kill it on this one, too. And and I loved the way that Reyes drew Warlock, how he was like... Because he's this weird alien technarch, right? And and just the 
the weird stuff that he does, like the warlock doing warlock stuff where he's like entrapping whoever his people are, the person he's attacking is, and and the angry, weird emotes that, that he gives off. Like, I think I think it harkens back to sort of Bill Sienkiewicz where he said that like warlock, you basically draw whatever the heck you want. And, and Reyes really put that all out into effort with with the character and the fight scenes too like the, like the swooshes and the clanks and the thunks with the swords and and magic and cypher <laughs> training like that is really powerful art and it's a shout out again to rod reyes for the panel work and and the storytelling that he does in in this issue alone it's beautiful stuff and and the i love the warlock sword like it looks so perfect you know, it's it's like how there's no other way I would have designed it. Like he nailed it. It's beautiful. And and last thing on New Mutants, and this is again very emotionally powerful issue. I love the last lines where where they're done with training, where Magic and and Cipher. She's she's and she's genuinely impressed with the with the progress that he's gone on from first wielding up the Cipher sword, and and Cipher's just like you know you've stopped testing like why and she's like you're letting me win and she's like no I'm, I'm actually impressed you, you you improved you did a great job and he asks her if he has a chance to win in the tournament because again he's facing like these like she's, he's facing apocalypse's horsemen he, he's facing these weird creatures that have probably picked up a sword when they when they were and they came out of the womb right and and magic she just simply says that we're family doug so believe me when I tell you this, that if you're going to fight someone in other world, it'll be the last thing you ever do. And there's not a damn thing you can do to stop it. And that to me just really sounded off what was, a, again, a great issue for New Mutants and, and for Cypher as well. Yeah. Well, and that's, <laughs> that's just part of her personality. She keeps it real. Like she's not going to like sugarcoat it for anyone. She's not going to tell you like, oh yeah, no, you have a chance. Da, 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 da. No, she's going to tell you how it is because she wants you to be prepared. This isn't like some, this isn't the, the, the prom here. You know what I'm saying? This isn't like, oh, we need to get dressed up and, oh, you look so nice when they really don't. No, this is, we're, we're fighting for not just your life. We're not fighting just for our country. We're fighting for the world and maybe the universe here. So, yo, get ready. Right now, you're garbage. Do better. <laughs> and, it, and it just sounds off. It's a really, really wonderful, wonderful issue. And we, we move on. We move to cable number five. And Phil Noto, Jerry Duggan, again, always killing it. And I know that you did you haven't read the first four issues of cable. I did, though. So I've been reading what, what little uh, Nathan Summers is up to. And again, it's a it's a weird Nate. I actually sort of want to talk about this before we actually move into the issue. What do you think of having Nate Summers as Scott and Gene's actual kid and him like learning from their parentage on, on this new on this in this new status quo like do you like do you like it do you i uh i don't like it if i'm being honest i love it oh my god it's so great to see them a be parents real parents b see cable as like we never saw young cable we never saw cable how he got to the gruff one-armed pouch wearing dude that we know today you know no so it's really kind of cool to kind of see where where it can go what's what's going to happen with it you know and where he comes from you know 
how does he grow up to be the man that we've known all these years? How how is it he going to be different than that? Is he going to be different? Of course he's going to be different because he actually is being raised, and we get the and the fact that we get to see it. It's just it's it's cool and a great concept, and a, it's uh, unbelievable that it's never been done up until this point. You know? Yeah, it's and, and again I have a soft spot for this. I know that you don't have really a soft spot for the, but I have a soft spot in this, and that the fact that. Scott and Gene actually get to have a chance to be actual parents. It, 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 and like I said in the uh, when we were talking about creation, it's a really heartwarming spot for me because Scott gets to be the father that he never gets to be. He, he finally gets a chance to settle down and, and 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 sit with his kids and have fun. It's and same with Gene. And I, I I like the fact that like we get a chance to see how this family actually works on Krakoa. Like what do they do? When they when they're fighting, and what do they do when, when they're having a cup of coffee or, or eating with the family? And and here, like we have an issue where they're they're just in, they're in space, and we get to see like what the dynamics of the family is. Like who's the overprotective one? Who's the who's the hand, person who's laying their hands off? It's it's a really heartwarming aspect just to see family dynamics on Krakoa hitting Hickman X Men. It, it I don't know. It's it's just. It gets to me. Like I, I, I fanboy over reading is it's very fun. It's very fun for me to read. Heck yeah, heck yeah. We should definitely cover cable next week for next week's show. Definitely. You want to? We should. I, I, I wanna... think so. You know, I was I was kinda uh, you know, that was one of the series I was kinda standoffish, but after reading the last two issues of cable, um from you know, this X of Swords events really got me interested, which once again, good work X office on getting me to want to read all the titles. Cause that's the secret. It's not trying to force people to read titles, but getting them to want to. I really want to see again, like how cable gets to be this, this old gruffy bear. I, 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 again, I am a filthy. I, I don't know how, how you want to call it. You are it. a filthy, you are a filthy. You're right. You are a filthy. <laughs> I I dig team ups like this. I'm sorry. I just love it whenever classic X Men get a chance to shine. It's like the it, it reminisces of like the old days that I didn't live in, but that I still enjoy. And I <laughs> always enjoy Cyclops and Jean Grey team ups whenever I can. And this issue was one of the, I really had fun like seeing them destroy all these weird aliens on this like spaceship. That was cool to me. That was cool. I I, I really dug what. What Jerry did with with the Summers family in this issue, it, it was fun seeing Psych shoot out stuff from his visors, and 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 same with Gene on the other. It, it was really cool. I had fun. I, I actually legitimately had fun with with this stand with this cable issue. I agree. I agree. Um, and obviously, seeing uh, because <clears throat> if you don't know, they kind of just canceled. Uh, sword. They didn't necessarily retcon it. They didn't even. They just just it disappeared from Marvel canon, and we don't know why. And now we kind of know why in this issue. It kind of gave us a little insight to that. And I, I and this is again not not talk like this is sort of pushing aside the the stuff for later, like because we we will have a sword ongoing written by the one and only Al Ewing that's coming out. In a couple of months, or not even in a couple of months, it comes out in literally a month from the day. Now that I think about it, so we'll have those answers, and I like the fact that they laid some of the groundwork for that in this issue, 
where we'll we'll eventually get to Abigail Brand and her and her weird and her team of let's let's load up sword again. And so them fighting on the spaceship and seeing all these weird aliens, it's like good job, Jerry. Good job for making me more interested in the title. I so yeah, I had a lot of fun with the Summer's family team up. Just 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 buy that. Like the seeds too. And it's all great. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Now, what's the deal? What exactly was going on on that sword uh, space station? Uh, it seemed that there was some sort of portal or like some evil space vi- virus or something. What, what was going on with that? So there was a weird dude when when Jean got on the ship and she was making her like discovery just to see like what the heck was was going on. I think like once she figured out there were there was a whole bunch of like these weird aliens that like you you remember like these weird like big figures like these weird green black figures i guess sort of where they they came on and they started attacking the family i i was like and they kept saying cleanse dissect and learn i and they were just i don't know they were just bunched up on the i think it was on the bottom of the station from what i read and and you see you saw all of them and and that's what i guess happened to the station they had all these weird aliens just just come up aboard, and and they've just inhabited the space field. It, I think it's, I guess that's simple. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that my this is just my prediction that they're gonna cover all that in the actual sword series because maybe we don't know what what if Abigail is inside that portal, you know. What if and they have to go do a rescue mission for it? We don't know, and anything is possible in this era, and that's 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 what's so great. It could anything could be happening. Anything could be anything, you know. So Abigail could, for all we know, could be fighting like in beneath, like underneath the sword station. She's trying. She's probably she could be getting ready. For all I know, for all we know, like she like as the Summers family is shooting these weird aliens to dust. Abigail's like, okay, I just gotta get the computer here and the setup here and and this and that. So so I don't know. I and I hope that we get more again more of the answers when Al Ewing does come up to the table and gives a sword for the next uh, for the next X Men ongoing. And I'm I'm really again I'm really excited to to see that. I again, but yeah, it's like the, I again I enjoy, I just enjoy classic family team ups again and as a filthy. As as a filthy, I'm just gonna say, as you said, as a filthy, I, I really enjoyed the uh, Scott Jean slash uh, Nathan Summers content uh, that that was given to us by dubbing it on the table. So it, it, yeah, just giving me happy vibes. It's like yeah, you heard that right here, guys. It is now official. New slang term for anyone that is a Cyclops Stan is now a filthy. That's I, what we're gonna call them. We, we are the filthy, filthy Cyclops Stan. This filthy. hands down. Hashtag filthy for life. Hashtag <laughs> not filthy. Let's see it, guys. Add us, please. It is not my fault for... And it actually is my fault for falling in love with Cyclops as a character. So that, that one is purely on me. But... <laughs> platonic. Yeah. It's platonic, though. It is platonic. <laughs> it, it is platonic. I I also love the... I, I, I love Same with the New Mutants art. I, I love Phil Noto in, in this book He's because he's doing the art and the colors. Like, he's doing the pencil work and, and the inks and the colors, which I think is awesome. Like, artists who do that, like, who do all of that, like, in one go, and especially with how beautiful and rendered it is, 
it gets me giddy. It's it's really good. I, I think it's really great artwork in for him and the fights again, the fight scenes were all dynamic and it's just really cool. It's really cool. I wouldn't call it clean, but it, it is very well rendered. I will say very well rendered and, and I enjoyed it in, in this cable issue. Definitely, definitely. And what a cool sword. It, the sword that starts sword. <laughs> like, come on. Hey, we start up a sword station with so that. That to me is pretty is pretty fun. How we have Nathan Summers literally starting up this. It, it all makes sense now. Like the organization starts off with the word that's that's in said organization or the acronym. Is that is that what you call it? So yeah, it's it's. Yes, I don't the know. acronym. It's the acronym. S W O R D for all of the all of you who want to know how to spell swords that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, Nathan does have a really cool sword though. It it glows. It's like how do I describe it? It's not. It's like it's it's sharp. It's not one of those like katanas. It's just like a it's a block sword. But I don't know. It, it looks really cool. It lights up. It's like bluish. It's it's a fun I sword. It, I believe it's a broadsword. I think it's what it's called. Maybe I'm not a hundred percent because I really only know katanas and claymores. That's as far as my sword knowledge goes. Like being able to point it out at least, you know. Oh, and uh, there's that one with the thing over the the cutlass. That's another one. I we haven't seen a cutlass yet. Uh, maybe we will. I mean, we do have pirates that are part of the this new. Krakoa, you know, so it's it's not crazy to see it. Yeah, so yeah, from what I'm getting from the infographic here, thank you, Tom Mueller, the light, so it's called the Light of Galador. It comes from the weird, once we get to the cable event, we'll, we'll talk about where the sword comes from with these weird alien robots. But from, from what I understand, it's created from Plandanium. I have no idea what that is. And we don't know who made the sword, but... Here we have Nathan holding it, and yeah, I think the I think the most important part for this is just to see where we get we will get old man cable back. I I know it. He has to. There there's no way. Hickman promised on Twitter that he will come back when it's time. <laughs> so we know he's coming back. We know that he's going to be back in full force because there are just there are a lot of '90s fans who do love cable, and so I want to see how he goes from this young the young or scott and jean's kid to big old like you said big old gruff man with one arm all the pouches and that weird tingling eye all that right so i, w- I want to see what he does in this event i know he's gonna win because cable is still ongoing after this event is over but i i just want to see what he does in the event who he faces off and, and how he wins so I- i'm all the more excited to see what happens in the fallout <laughs> Yeah, that's something we haven't really talked about much is like the people that they're going to be fighting. You know, these are some otherworldly, uber-powerful, ex-apocalyptic horsemen that are coming over to battle the these X-Men who are already like super-powerful and dope. So it's, it's going to be, it's really cool. And they kind of have like this vibe of like Egyptian gods. You ever, you, did you notice that? Yeah, like... All of these, like, you look at the horsemen, right? Just look at the horsemen alone and tell me that it doesn't scream ancient Egypt, like, at your hands. Like, these guys have the uh, the, the masks and, and the clothing and the armor of actual pharaohs that you would look sarc- at. Sarcophagi. 
Don't forget sarcophagi, because remember in the X-Men issue, we go and we see like their buried site, you know, their memorial that that um, apocalypse goes to. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting right, but yeah, we got, but yeah, we just have all these weird Egyptian. You know what? Before that, I I actually just want to point out, like again, to the what we talk about with Cable and him surviving the event because of the ongoing. I like in the last page, if you remember from from the issue. Where Cyclops just tells Gene and Cable that everything is going to be alright because we're all going to win. And, and it's like, and every like Magic is smiling and Gene's smiling and, and Scott's smiling. And and Cyclops is just like, we're all going to be okay. And he's he's literally grinning. It's not even like a subtle grin. It's, it's a full-on classic Scott Summers smile of assurance. So, yes. <laughs> now this, as I, you were talking there, a huge idea pops into my head and prediction. Okay, what if, sir, what if Cable loses, okay, he gets brought back as Pouch Cable, big Pouch Cable. That's how we get the 90s Cable. It's because when they get brought back, it's not that they don't get brought back, they get brought back as something different. So what if he gets brought back as the original cable that we know? That would be cool. That would actually be cool just to see like this this scrawny little kid like get beat up. And then big old man comes back and then just shoots the guy down and wins. <laughs> you know what? That actually could happen within the event. We could literally see little cable get smashed to pieces. And then big old man gets back from his time displacement displacement. And then just shoots his opponent and calls it a victory. That could happen. I could. It's not out of the. It could. <laughs> it's not out of this world. That's it not. Could. That's a fantastic prediction. I like it. Yeah, I, I think it's. I because if he promised us that that cable, he's not just gonna like pull him out of time or from or something like that. Hickman's too science heavy to just give us a simple wibbly wobbly timey wimey kind of. Um, uh, reason to why he's coming in so what perfect way to have him come back as a different character than as ha- making it part of the story that people come back as different people that's fair that's fair and and it, it would make all of the people who've been complaining about kid cable for like the last however many years they they, they will be emotionally satisfied knowing that their favorite 90s character made by rob liefeld is back so yeah, I, I'd be all in for it. I, I actually want... I, I would... And again, I think we'll talk more about this when we get to covering Cable. I do want to see how Old Man Cable reacts to a paradise like Krakoa. Because you know that young... The young Cable will be... He's happy. He's living with his parents and his family. What does Old Man Cable care about paradise and flowers and hot baths? I, I really would want to see how he reacts to the whole situation. What? Well- I mean, if it's if it's going to be the real cable that's time to place and everything, I think he would actually really like it because he doesn't have to fight, he doesn't have to keep running, he doesn't have to figure out okay, what timeline am I in? Who are these people? What universe is this? Like, he doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Honestly, I think he'd love it. I think for the first time he'd be able to like breathe, unless you know he's bringing in a bunch of like time displaced villains with him. Then you know it's not going to be chill. You know, maybe. Maybe we can see some Donny Cates, you know, kind of cable where he brings all these like super weird other other universe characters like Howard the Duck Juggernaut and and Groot and 
uh, <laughs> Iron Man and Iron Man Rocket, where he has uh, instead of like a Tony Stark suit, he has he's wearing Groot, literally. Uh, who knows? That again, the, the the possibilities are open for this event and what could come out because we we are, we are only halfway through and we're still reminiscing theories because there are just that that, that too many theories. Too many. It, anything can happen. Anything can happen here, and he's proved they've all proven themselves to blow us away with surprises at every chance they get. It is true. It is true. What do you think of Excalibur number thirteen? Because I, I found this issue to be interesting because we don't we don't get sort of we get Betsy and Brian and Brian's new name because he's no longer Captain Britain. So what do you think about it? So I really liked King Jamie coming out. With wearing full full regalia, including the sinister uh, feathers. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. And just and no one even said it's like normal. No one even no like really notices or says anything about it. You know, what I'm saying it's really like un, under underlining kind of thing. It's it's pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's pretty freaking funny. And that character has been nothing but hilarious this whole time. Like Teeny writes him so kind of like re, like such such a thorn in everybody's side you know and then to see the 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 original captain britain coming in and like having his conversation you know more conversations about queen and country and all that kind of stuff you know because that's what betsy's kind of that's her line that she's towing because she's basically she has to protect uh she has to protect the united kingdom and she has to protect krakoa you know she has two places that she she calls home and so, yeah, I think it's just really interesting, the, the Braddock family dynamic, and I hope it's brought out more as Excalibur trods on after the event, because I think that a Braddock-centered book where you have, a, like, Krakoa versus the United Kingdom and human versus mutant, I think it could it could enlighten and, and really bring out the anti-humanity feel that all the other Dawn of X books have. And so, like, you have... The Braddock family dynamic, right? You have Jamie, who's this sort of weird, kicking monster who's, like, all chillaxing himself. Like, we get the weird Captain Britain Corp, like, entering his room, and he's just like, who the heck are you? He, he, I like the reality warping action scene, I think, in this book, when, again, like, the, the Captain Britain Corps, they're the weird versions of Excalibur that literally all have Britain, like, like painted on them. They try to attack Jamie, right. and Jamie's like... Try me, bitch. And I just, like, strings them all by his hand and wipes them away. I was like, that's pretty, that's some pretty cool stuff. I, I thought it was really just, just awesome to see. Like. <laughs> yeah, no, like, yeah, he is def like, <laughs> and his powers too, like, just holding them all up. Like, what do you guys, what do you guys think you're trying to do here? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you think you're cool? Like, I can warp reality with my fingertips like you're nothing and i love okay i absolutely love jubilee's uh glasses with the with the flag with the UK i want flag those on it. i think it's hilarious marvel needs to make those and actually like make them a merchandise on sale item because i will pick up those jubes britain glasses and rock them out like i i legitimately would like around town like yo like those are some cool freaking glasses when can I get them? I, it's the same with with Betsio and I. I I wanted. <laughs> I, I I I still like the family drama in this between Brian and Betsy because you could tell that like 
because Betsy's the new Captain Britain now, and, and Brian is doing his whole stick. Now he's Captain Avalon because he's the captain of, I guess, Avalon, if that's what we want to call it, or, or wherever Jamie is. But yeah, I, I just love the sort of relationship between between the Braddocks and, and that specific family here. It's It's interesting to see how they're all going to play out in this weird tournament so to say and let's talk about the little twist at the end like we thought for sure that brian braddock was going to like turn on everyone and he was like being like swooed and like charmed by saturn what's her name yeah saturnine 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 yeah, like he was being controlled and charmed by Saturn Nine, but at the end, it was all a game to get her to drop, make a sword for him. <laughs> I, this is a weird thing to me because it could just be in the end that like Opal or Saturn Nine just wanted to get in Brian's pants because she, I guess, you could tell that like she wants it. I, I, I mean that in a, a very different, intimate way. But hey, like. I'm glad that Brian got the sword. It's weird seeing him, though, in the tournament because he's not... Unlike Betsy, he's not... A, Brian isn't a mutant. And the fact that he's actually fighting for Krakoa is is still sort of weird. Or, like, in my head, it's like, Brian? Why is he here? He's, he's not... He doesn't have the mutant gene. But, hey, he's fighting for Krakoa. That's cool. And, and decent new uniform, too. And RB Silver really makes those that art pop so yeah I, I think it's cool that well, we he, get this yeah he's he's not a mutant you're right but he's always worked with mutants he's always had an affection for mutants his sister's a mutant a lot of his friends are you know so yeah his he wife's may not a mutant. be able to be yeah he may not be able to be mm. Krakoan but everyone around him is and so he's a big ally for them you know and in it's true so in the fact that it's just yeah it's just been part of who he, who he has been as a as a character and and him helping betsy i i legitimately think that one or the, both of these pr- people will die I, I i am actually making the call right now brian and or betsy will both die in other world they will both lose i i i just have yep. that nagging feeling I legitimately think one of these are, people will. We we have to. We, we're going to. We're going to lose one for sure. Uh, if not both, you know. And, and once again, that if, anything and everything is on the table. We don't know what's going to happen, and it's driving me crazy in anticipation for this whole thing. Man, so yeah, we we have all of that. Did you? And the, and last but not least, we have X Men number thirteen, where we again we have all of the sort of adventures that all the other sword bearers have gone through we've seen wolverines we've seen ciphers we've seen cables we we've we've had all our other people now now we have to get the the person who who started this whole entire mess and that is the one and only en sabanor aka apocalypse and seeing how we go from Again, a person who literally has wanted to destroy the Marvel Universe on several fronts is now a sympathetic character who just wants to have Krakoa and his people succeed. It's it's a really twist and turn of events, but I am starting to dig this 
interpretation of this former mass murdering time destroying villain definitely um the the heart that he i mean i i never even in my head could think of him like in a romantic relationship with anyone or really caring for anyone besides himself you know he he had his son and there's been some arcs with stuff like that but there's never been like we never really saw the the side of like oh like I just want to protect my people. I just want to, I, I have a son, I have a grandson, I have, you know, all this stuff. It's a different angle that we've seen Apocalypse, because it was always Apocalypse. It's, it's it, he's the bad guy, he's the mastermind behind it all, you know, always. And now that he's not, I, again, that's, that twist still gets me. The fact that he just wanted to, to see mutants prosper and and, and win. It still nags at my soul. Like this, this person is a good. Apocalypse is a good, decent person. I again, like in 2020, I never <laughs> thought I would have said. That's how crazy this year is. I'm saying in 2020 that Apocalypse <laughs> is a decent character in the Marvel universe. Yeah, that that yes, that's yeah. <laughs> what? Like, where are we right now? Like, how crazy? Like this. This year has been a whole slew of crazy, out-of-the-box things that could happen. Murder hornets, uh, crazy elections, um, you know, international pandemic, you know, all this crazy stuff. But to think that Apocalypse would be a good guy, like, that just blows my mind. It does. It, it does indeed. And, and, man, seeing the sort of relationship that he has with his wife genesis and the actual fact that like he cares for her and wants to yearn and wants to be with his children and and have the islands unified and and all of that it's it's weird man i saw him kiss genesis in the x-men issue and i was like what world am i living in <laughs> where apocalypse is having well, well. a what what is what, he doesn't have any lips though? Like what's he kissing? Like I feel bad for her having to kiss that man in the first place. Let alone a no lip dude like that. You know, like what's what's going on right there? You know, there, is that can't be enjoyable is, for her. Is Apocalypse's skin hard? I, I don't. I've not. I, see, I have to ask these questions now. Well, when he's with like, Gen, when he's with Genesis, it's definitely hard. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, I'm talking about like his regular like blue skin. Is it like rough? Is it like rocks? Or is it like I don't how hard or how well, hard or soft is it? It's definitely invulnerable. Uh, you know, and with with mutants and superpowers and stuff like that, there. I mean, something could feel really soft and be able to take you know a laser blast that's like 5,000 degrees you never know you know what I'm saying uh I always imagine his skin being kind of like rough and tough and kind of calloused you know that's how it's always kind of looked to me how it's always been drawn but there's other versions where he, you know he's kind of got this shape-shifting kind of goopy thing going on where it it could change to anything and there's other where he's like a straight-up robot you know what I mean so or excuse me a cyborg not a robot and so no, like yeah, I I don't think it's it's soft and nice. Uh, you're not gonna want to cuddle up with with uh, Apocalypse. You know he, you're not gonna be spooning with him anytime soon. You know, <laughs> I I just want to know what his life was on Araco before the whole 
Kirk Cohen thing came about with Moira and and all of that. It's so like I don't know. It's just really weird. It's just really weird for me to like see him in this again, this sort of the different sense where he had a family, he had children, he had a loved one, he 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 he's done all of this stuff and now he just he just yearns for a time where he's trying to get it back, try to get Genesis back, try to get back with his four horsemen, try to reunite the islands, be the be the person that the summoner wanted him to be, like this this unifier of both Arako and Krakoa and, and all of this whatever the heck this is. It's a it's a different light again. It's something that I'm not used to. I probably won't get used to for another couple of months maybe years but again it's a it's a, it's a direction that that i i am supportive of because it gives you a different sense of what survival of the fittest means what does that actually mean for a character that has more depth to him than i want to destroy the universe and all these different timelines where the x-men succeed and all that definitely definitely and uh what do you think they're going to have a moment where they talk about their relationship? Like, is Genesis and Apocalypse going to be able to, like, hash things out, you know? That's, that's actually a really difficult question for me to answer because, like, I I don't know. I I don't know because Genesis, because she's from Araco and we both know the, the characteristics of that island. Being... She's not from Araco. She's not from Araco. That's she right. moved to Araco. She is from Earth. She's a mutant from Earth. So technically, mo- some of these people that are going to be fighting are already, by definition, citizens of Krakoa. They're Krakoans. So that's a whole another weird thing. Are some of these guys, at the end of it, are they going to join the island? Are they going to be like, you know what? We don't really like uh, this other dimension. We're going we're gonna to come hang out with you guys. You know what I'm saying? We'll see, man. I I just have really uneasy feelings because people like this sort of tend up to come up with like you know those like regular comic twists where it's like you thought they were your friends, but no, they're really the enemies. It could be another one of th- like that. I don't know. There's a lot of dubiousness, and we've already started seeing it with the Summoner. We've seen it with uh, the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse, and it could might as well end up the same for his former wife. Are they still married? I I have no idea. His Apocalypse died. And dying annuls marriages. I don't know how that works, but anyways, like we, it's it's crazy. I there's a world where Apocalypse and Genesis could be reunited as one, but there's I I'm also gardening for like the possibility where she just flat out rejects him and wages war on the the nine sword bears of Krakoa or whatever. Yeah, who who knows? Like just because they lose doesn't mean like it's over, you know. This is just, it just means the tournament's over. Like, these guys could lose and then come and be like, you know what, we're still going to invade uh, the universe, your universe, we, and take over. Oh, man. There's still, yeah, we still could see a war at the end of this. We, anything and everything is on the table with this event, with, with, with the series, with the series plural, you know, that I, I, can't, I can't tell you. Like, my predictions are fun and everything, but, like, honestly... Everything we've predicted so far, none of it has come through. None of it. Nope. It's true. 
Also, a shout out to Sunny Go and Mahmoud Asrar for the art as well. I keep I keep talking about the artists and how awesome their stuff is, but I I really like the scene where Apocalypse is headed to Egypt and the PC here. Egypt and the, he literally he actually goes to Egypt to pick up the scarab. It goes to the pyramids and in the weird X copter. I don't know what you call it, but I I want one of these. Like these things, I want one of the X Men helicopters that that they have on on Krakoa as like a toy. It just looks cool. It has the Cerebro in on the front and these weird propellers. I want a toy of that. They look really really cool. But that's besides the point. I thought, well, the Scarab is big. That 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 sort of apocalypse is. I, that can cut through that can cut through an entire city or town <laughs> right it's, it's so big it's freaking huge i mean he's a tall dude i think what, what's his stats he's like what t- nine feet tall eight feet yeah. tall something yeah, crazy like yeah. that mm-hmm. and and this sword how heavy is it i i it, is it like i'd imagine you'd have to be of immense stature just to even carry that sword and that's how sharp and yeah. big and and all of that is yeah no um in my mind yeah it, it's got to weigh at least 100 pounds like that's in my mind how heavy it is you know uh, so so big i do wish though there, there there are a couple of things that i still yearn for that we didn't get because we're going to be getting the uh, sword bearers of Araco in the next issue which is stasis i wish that i got to see gorgon I wish we got some cool Gorgon moments in the first twelve issues of of this event, like seeing See, where that's he got. The thing about that's the thing about Gorgon, you know, is um, you got to you got to um, the less the better, you know. I like having him where he barely says and he just comes in. Mess, like even in Enemy of the State, he he barely was in it, and he was the main bad guy, the main protagonist, and he just shows up and and fuck shit up and that's what we want that's what i want from him i don't need a backstory i don't need anything setting up i just need him to come in and kill people you know what i'm saying because that's the thing right like he's sort of like this nihilistic antagonist towards the x-men i think the best i think the best gorgon ish or the best gorgon moment ever in his history if you remember in x-men number four where they went to davos to talk with the uh, delegates from the different countries and talking about Ian superiority, what it, what Krakoa on the world stage means. That was a perfect Gorgon like issue because he barely said anything, and he literally just cut the shit out of the Orcus members and the the with like with his two swords, just like swiping clean. He's cutting off limbs. He's taking names for himself. He's he's having he's just having none of it. He's just all business. That to me is perfect Gorgon writing. And if we if we don't yeah so we I think like as you said do we we don't even technically need one because Gorgon is just gonna be there to fuck you up and that's right that's that <laughs> that's that he shows up kills fools dips out peace I'll, I'll catch you guys in the next arc you know <laughs> I don't think he's gonna die either I think that Gorgon is go because he has two he doesn't have one he has two of the swords in the event. And he just takes names. He doesn't even. I don't even need to explain why Gorgon is back because he, he'll just do it in battle. 
He'll fight against like one or two of those Arakuan people. Cut. End of game. He's like, who's next? <laughs> yeah, because isn't there is one Krakoan that actually has to fight two of them, if I'm not mistaken. That is Gorgon. Right? That is Gorgon. Now, we don't, but also, also with, with What's-His-Face going in, Sinister and the Hellions going in there, maybe that's one of them that gets canceled. You know what I'm saying? One of them that gets forfeit. We don't know. But, honestly, I want to see Gorgon fight two of these otherworldly demon fools. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I want to see hey. him turn them to stone. I want to see him chop off limbs. I want to see him just take, like, barely say anything and make his actions speak louder than his words, you know? It's also weird, and I guess we'll, we'll lock it off with this. It's still weird for me seeing him in this captain position instead of, say, someone like Logan. Because he's because you know, we got Cyclops, he's the, he's the head of the state as far as the military troops go. And then under him we have Magic, Gorgon, and Bishop. I actually want to know what the rationale was in for that because it's like... Cyclops, he he's a you know, he's he's Cyclops. I don't need to explain. It. Like we have Magic and and Bishop. Like they're they're two you know decently good mutants who who want to fight for all that. But you have Gorgon. He's a nihilist. He he's not he's not like Logan where like they can you know mutually disagree on stuff, but they still have the the same path view. But Gorgon, he just wants to kill you and get out. Like, that, that's his whole shtick. Right, so I, I I find it interesting that that they had him at a, as a captain of the island instead of someone say like Logan or whoever else who's attuned for that position. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you definitely want Gorgon as a security guard. <laughs> you know, you, you would, want you him would checking checking IDs at the door. You know what I'm saying? That that that's a perfect kind of role for him on Krakoa. You know what I mean? Subtle. Subtle and just just Dutch action speaks louder than words. And he's just gonna be this this whole this this stiff being until the fighting comes in, and that's when he's just gonna knock you out. And hopefully, in the next couple of issues, we do get to see the nine Krakoan sword bearers wage war against the ten Arakoan sword bearers in the heat of battle. And with that, I would like to thank the Grangy Gathering. For hosting this amazing podcast. Please go over and check all their stuff out. Much love to you guys. Please go check out their podcast. All the articles. Everything that you can. They are awesome. Again, please go check it out at thegrangeekgathering.com. And once again, Dylan, I know it's late. I have to immediately edit this after we're all said and done. But I'd like to thank you again for guest hosting this podcast. It was awesome. I had, again, I had a lot of fun doing this as always. Heck yeah, dude! It's it's always it's always great to come on here and talk with you and get to read. Force me to read all this stuff because it's one of the best things I've been forced to read in my entire life. And with that, I would like to thank all of you listeners for listening to another episode of the Dom of X. We will see you on the island of Krakoa with your professor the next time.